Hello and welcome to Battle Ready with Missy Armstrong. We are going to prepare ourselves for battle by learning about the characters in the Bible, learning about their victories and their defeats. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to my blog, or welcome back if you've been here before. If you've been here before, last week um, we learned about the first part of Noah's life up until the flood. And this week we're going to talk about what happened after the flood. If you're new, I hope you can just catch up. (laughs) Um, But we will be talking about Noah during the flood and after the flood. And so we're going to start in Genesis 7. We'll be in Genesis 7, 17 through 24. Uh, we'll also be visiting Second Peter and Luke in uh, maybe a couple of other places. Depends on where God takes us. So we're going to start in Genesis 7, 17 through 24. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and the waters increased. They lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to depth more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on the land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, and all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all of mankind. Everything on dry land that had breath in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and creatures that moved along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark, and the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now we're going to go to 2 Peter 2, 4 through 10. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he didn't spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on the ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Now we're going to go to Luke 17. 27 or 26 and 27 just as it was in the days of noah 
so will it be in the day of, son, of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking, marrying and being given up in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. Although the time that Noah lived was exceedingly wicked and abysmally sinful, he didn't withdraw from it. He didn't go up into the mountains and live in a, as a hermit. No, he was a preacher right in the middle of it. And how hard it must have been for him to have seen all these scenes of disorder and sinfulness. But he still made his righteous protest nonetheless. In the sense of his preaching, it may have seemed to him as unsuccessful. Because only his family was saved. But Noah's mission was not to save the world but to faithfully witness what God had told him and to make sure that a generation in which he lived would hear God's warning and be without excuse. Sometimes when we're teaching and we're preaching and no one comes down the aisle and no one seems to to be changed and you can get very discouraged and very beaten down like you're not really doing your job but you're planting seeds Noah's job was to build an ark and to tell the people and that's what he did he was faithful in that the people didn't change sometimes they don't and but he continued working with teenagers and young children, sometimes you, you look at them and you think, they are not listening. They are not learning a thing. And then years later, you see those kids as adults, and they tell you about what their life is like now and how what you taught them in Sunday school or what you taught them in youth how it helped them and that vigor that strength inside of you kind of grows because you realize I planted a seed and the seed was watered sometimes you may not be there to see the seed grow but as long as you continue to plant as long as you continue to educate you continue to disciple God will water those seeds. And if you don't see it, you may not be meant to see it. Just like Noah didn't see anyone change from his preaching. He was meant to save mankind, to save the animals. And he was meant to tell the people so that they did not have an excuse. They heard the word, and they chose not to accept it. Moving on to Genesis 8, 1 through 22. I know this seems long, but just hang in there. It's a great story.
Okay. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the depths and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth and at the end of 150 days the water had gone down and on the 17th day of the seven months the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month and on the first day of the 10th month the tops of the mountains became visible and after 40 days Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up over the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could not find anywhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So he returned to Noah in, in the ark. He reached out his hand and he took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him that evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. When then Noah knew the water had receded from the earth, he waited seven more days and sent out the dove again, but this time he did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw the surface of the ground was dry. And by the 27th day of the second month of the earth, it was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wives and your sons and their wives. Bring out every living creature that is with you, the birds and the animals and all of the creatures that move along the ground so that they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number in it. So Noah came out together with all of his sons and his wife and his son's wives and all of the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds and everything that moves on the land came out of the ark one kind after another. And then Noah built an altar on the to the Lord Taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. In 1 Peter 3.20 says, To those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, 
In it, only a few, eight in all, were saved through water. The flood swept away every living person, animal, creature, everything, except for Noah and his family and the creatures that were in the ark. They were remembered by God, by the Lord. Noah was obedient to the to the letter, following the instructions. He built the ark according to God's design, witnessed the coming flood, and selected pairs of animals and living creatures for the preservation of the species. Because of his obedience, he and his family were saved. Those who remember God are remembered by God. When Noah emerged from the ark approximately a year after he had entered it, his first task was to build an altar. The first new foundation of the new world was an altar. It was a church. Like the first thing he did. It wasn't, hey, let's go build a shelter. It was, let's build an altar. And praise God. Right? Some people's first inclination or reaction to a dramatic deliverance from God, such as healing or a miracle, is to focus on how to get their lives back, how to get on with their lives, how to move forward with their lives. But not Noah. No, Noah's first concern let's give God honor. Let's give God what is due God. This is a principle we should all follow. When God has given us deliverance from something, when he has shown us his way, when he has provided us with blessing, let's not be like, okay, that's behind us. Let's move forward. Let's stop and praise God in the moment. And that is what is required of us. That is what we should do. I mean, in Romans, Paul tells us, he urges us to, to provide our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, which is our spiritual worship. So if you, if you haven't taken, God, taken time to praise God for some deliverance or a miracle or just the blessing that he gives you take time now before you get up or you know when you says when this podcast is finished take time to just praise God for a little while we don't have to sacrifice like they did before but we can we can sacrifice our time in praising God and giving him the honor that he deserves. Now we're going to move on to Genesis 9, 1 through 17. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth and all of this birds in the sky and every creature that moves along the ground. And all the fish in the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about 
will be food to you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat that eat meat that has its life blood still in it. And for your life blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal and from each human being with each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall have their blood shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, all of those that came out of the ark with you, every creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. I will never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between you and me, every living creature with you, and a covenant to all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the crowds, I will remember my covenant between you and me and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood and destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And so God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant Covenant I have established between me and all the life on the earth. And in Isaiah 54, 9 says, To me, this is like the days of Noah. When I swore the waters, I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn off, sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. The flood, the end of the flood, and the receding of the waters, and air, the coming out onto the land, it is, it distinctly marks the end of those wicked, simple things, and a beginning of new life, a beginning of a man's heart and acknowledgement of God by giving a sacrifice and God's part by giving us this covenant, the covenant that he made with Noah and with every living creature to never again flood the, flood the earth as he did with Noah, and the sign of this covenant covenant, is a rainbow. 
And I love rainbows. Anytime we see a rainbow, um, my husband or my son or myself, we all like, oh, look at the rainbow. Um, and it just reminds us that God has promises that he gives us in the Bible. And this is one that has a physical thing we can see and be reminded of his promises every time we see it. And you realize that there's a rainbow in heaven. You can read about it in Revelations 4.3. And it's God's pledge that when this fleeting time has ended and all things have reached their conclusion or culmination or the end, never again will sin rise up to spoil God's fair and beautiful universe. It's another reminder, a beautiful reminder, and an amazing thing that we see rainbows and there's also a rainbow in heaven. It's a beautiful thing. And Genesis 9, 18 through 20 says, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And there were three sons of Noah. Of them was the whole world overspread. But Noah began to be a husbandman. And he planted a vineyard, and he drank the wine, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his nakedness of his father, and told his brothers about it. And Sham and Japheth took a garment, and laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward, and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what the younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God saw... God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in tents in the tents of Sham, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood for 350 years, and all of the days of Noah were 950 years, and then he died. The flood swept away many things but not the evil tendency in a human heart. This lapse became the occasion of the blessing upon Shem and Japheth, but the curse upon Ham. Most scholars believe that Ham not only saw his father's nakedness, but looked on him and treated him with disrespect by, in, by telling his brothers about this situation. And... It showed the respect given by Shem and Japheth because 
They refused to look on their father in this situation, in this state, and went in backwards. But Ham, in contrast, felt it funny, or he felt that it was a situation that that he he needed to share that he he didn't he didn't see the honor of his father and he didn't try to cover that instead he you know spread the rumor so to speak or spread this lapse in judgment by Noah and uh and because of that moment, because of that lapse in judgment, uh, and the way that Ham reacted to it, Ham and his son and his son's family were cursed instead of receiving the blessing of a father. But Shem and Japheth received the blessing because... They looked on their father with honor and didn't want his. It didn't. They didn't want the memory of him or this idea of him to be tarnished. And God blessed Noah's sons. And Noah, saying to them, "Be fruitful and increase on the number of the earth and fill the earth." So Ham, of course, his son was Canaan. And the the curse that they received was just he was going to be a servant of servants. He was going to have to serve the other two brothers. And uh, interestingly enough, various times in the Bible, did the descendants of Ham and Canaan, which ended up being the Canaanites, uh, many times they were subdued and, uh, in the Bible and in history. Joshua, David, and Solomon subdued them. Alexander the Great defeated them. Roman, the Romans defeated them again. Uh, they were consistently the servants of other people and were were overtaken by stronger people just as Noah said and so Japheth comes along and so God shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tents of Sham okay so this was the blessing that Noah gave Japheth since 539 B.C. with the, the defeat of the Babylonians by Cyrus the Great, no Semitic or Hamitic race has succeeded in breaking the world's supremacy of the family of Japheth. Uh, and it obviously came true. Japheth and his descendants still uh, going strong 
and and they did at one point take over and dwell in the tents of Sham, which are pretty awesome. Uh, and concerning Sham, Canaan shall be his servant, and blessed be the Lord God of Sham. He is obviously here is a reference to the special favor bestowed upon Sham's descendants, beginning with Abraham and ending in the Bethlehem Major. So, Jesus was actually a descendant of Shem. And all the other ancestors of, of Jesus were descendants of Shem. So the whole world is blessed through Shem, through Noah. All the way back, we and we can see how throughout the the Old Testament and into the New with the birth of Jesus, we can see how these Jewish people and how our ancestors were all connected. God had planned from the beginning, and they're all it's all falling into place and if you say oh i'm not an ancestor of the jews um yes you are <laughs> noah was a jew noah then of course sham ham and japheth all the rest of the world was populated from these three children so you no matter where you're from or what you may think, way back in your ancestry, we all go back to Noah, who was a Jew. Okay, so that being said, <laughs> when all of the world was against Noah, he was able to stand there and withstand their scorn and the violence but then he he sinned he fell prey to the drink and he committed the sin of drunkenness and it underlines the fact that it's sometimes the small temptations that are the most effective it's not over the giant mountains that we trip but the little gopher mounds, right? Like, many of us, we see a mountain, like, yeah, okay, that's a sin, I'm moving around, right? But then we get sunk with some of the smallest things. Noah did as well. We all sin. The Bible says we all sin. We just have to try to avoid those gopher mounds every once in a while. Try to try to do better on a daily basis.
And in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7, it says this. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be unleavened, an unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So it's saying, don't you know just a little bit of yeast can leaven a whole bunch of bread? And in doing so, it makes, it changes the character of bread. And a little bit of sin can change the character of a Christian. So get rid of those old sins and be that unleavened batch. Be that bread without contamination of the yeast. Noah's life and witness illustrate the importance of maintaining a constant witness in the face of all kinds of wickedness and scorn and ridicule, but never giving up. Even though one's message seems to be falling on deaf ears, his resource was his faith. He had such faith that he was able to stand in those crowds, stand with people making fun of him. Because remember, he is building a giant boat in way far away, miles and miles and miles away from any body of water. It had never rained before. And He's out there talking about it's going to rain and it's going to, the whole world's going to be covered with water. And they're looking at him like, okay, this guy is completely insane. But he stood his ground. He had the faith to not question. And how many times have we thought God told us to do something? And then someone question it, and we start questioning God. Is this really what you want me to do? You think this is really going to work out? Noah had steadfast faith. This faith in God's plans and God's purpose and for his life was such an amazing testament to Noah. The, no matter what his inner convictions or his whatever Satan was telling him or whatever the people were screaming at him, he didn't lose faith. He continued on his path. He continued building a giant boat. And I'm sure maybe people started questioning things when he's telling them this for years. And then all of a sudden, all these animals show up. And they're just like, hey, we're here for the boat ride. <laughs> you know? Because it does say that the animals came to Noah. 
So God sent these animals in. I don't know if they all just kind of like a parade of animals through town, which is what I kind of like to think so, but maybe not. But even in that, with the animals showing up, people still didn't want to turn from their wicked ways. But Noah kept his faith. And Noah illustrates, like, how alert we must be when God tells us to do something. And when God tells us how to do something, we need to follow it the way God tells us. So, when we look back at Noah... The lessons that we learn are pretty, pretty obvious to me. First of all, we learn Noah walked with God, not behind God, not in front of God, but with God. And God found favor with him. And even though the world around him was just wicked and sinful God found favor with Noah Noah kept the faith and built, built exactly what God wanted even though it took over a hundred years even though people made fun of him even though no one was saved through all these hundred years of preaching he still kept the faith he still entered the boat entered the ark God shut the door and he kept faith in God that God would keep him safe and his family and all of the animals through the flood we learned that worship after God's deliverance not just moving on with our lives and not just saying Okay, great. That's awesome, God. Thank you for that. And But actually praising God for the deliverance, for the miracles, for the amazing things that he gives us every day and how important that is. We also learn that even though you can be a righteous man and, and be a man that finds favors with God, you can still trip. You can still stumble. And in those moments, we can still ask for forgiveness. We know that we are all sinners, but we don't have to, we don't have to accept the wages of sin because Jesus Christ has made the sacrifice for us as our Passover lamb. And so, I hope that you have learned a little bit from Noah. I hope that you see how important it is that we look at Noah's faith and see it as it truly is a man in the midst of in the midst of horrible wickedness still finding a way to be righteous and to have faith 
and remembering that God gave us the covenant. God has a covenant with us, just like with Noah. He will not flood the earth again, and that is awesome. And now, next week, we will start Abraham, and because Abraham's story is quite lengthy, we'll probably cover it for a few weeks, but I just want to thank you for listening. Remember that God is with you. He wants to help you. He wants you to have a relationship with him, and he wants to grow your faith. So please, be good to yourself, and be good to others, and remember, God loves you, and so do I. Thank you, and have a wonderful week.